Hello and welcome to Women on the Move, Behind Closed Doors podcast series. I am Donnie Walford, the founder and managing director of Behind Closed Doors. Today we have Mandy Richards, the CEO and founder of Global Sisters. Mandy is a social entrepreneur, fiercely passionate about human rights, animal welfare, eradicating poverty and empowering women. She established Global Sisters with the goal of creating a scalable and efficient model for supporting women to create an income stream via self-employment when mainstream employment wasn't accessible. Hello, Mandy Richards. Hello, Donnie. How are you? Very, very well. We're so excited to have you as our podcast guest on our new Series 3 podcasts. Oh, thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, hopefully we're going to learn a lot more about you, but also this fantastic work you're doing with Global Sisters. So first of all, I'd love to ask you, we'll find out more about you. You've led a global career, having worked internationally on government business, incubation programs in Botswana and New Zealand, as well as high-profile charities, including the Hamlin Fistula Hospitals in Ethiopia and locally as National Marketing Manager for the RSPCA. So tell us what inspired you to embrace a truly global career journey and how this has helped you leverage your career. I don't actually look at myself as having had a career or having a career and I still kind of feel like I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do when I grow up. I always had this dream of being a doctor in Africa and along the way I got sidetracked with entrepreneurial endeavours and really I've ended up on this path of I think human rights and focusing on really helping to empower women and their children through a different avenue which is business. So I'm really passionate about human rights. I'm really passionate about helping women. I grew up in Indonesia, so I think I've, you know, I've just grown up with an interest in social causes, but also people and the planet everywhere. And so I guess I really feel like I've just kind of stumbled and bounced from, but it is definitely something that people would describe me as. And I think like for me, I think probably the differentiation there is around purpose and passion and what's driving you and what you're really aiming to achieve. So Global Sisters is really about achieving a a social and economic outcome for thousands of women and helping them to become active economic participants when that might not otherwise be an option for them because of the circumstances that they find themselves in. So for me, this big driver really is one amazing project to another and they've just built upon each other, but it hasn't actually really been by design. (laughs) (laughs) So you describe yourself as a social entrepreneur, but you just also described yourself as an entrepreneur. So what's the difference between a social entrepreneur and an entrepreneur? Just to understand a bit more about why you term yourself as a social entrepreneur. Yeah, it's such an interesting question. So, well, I I don't actually refer to myself as anything. One of my friends wrote up my LinkedIn profile because it's the sort of thing that I just hate doing and she popped that in there. It's my passion and and it's purpose-led, it's purpose-driven. Whereas you wouldn't necessarily find that as the driver, I think, for a lot of entrepreneurs. Although increasingly, I think you probably would. I think a lot of business these days is really being started with either a social or an environmental purpose 
as a key driver. So I think actually entrepreneurship and social entrepreneurship are probably starting to, to come together a lot more than they have been in the past. And I was getting a sense of that when you were talking. So I, I agree with you. So I'm dying to hear about your company, Global Sisters. What's your vision for Global Sisters and where did the idea for Global Sisters originate? So I started thinking about Global Sisters around, gosh, I think like 10 years ago. It was actually just before I went and did the work in Botswana and I had this idea of setting up an Etsy-style marketplace or platform that was really cause-driven or purpose-led to help them sell products but also to help them create products that were really marketable. And that came on the back of, I think, you know, growing up in Indonesia, traveling and working overseas a lot and just seeing a lot of women with incredible skills, but not the access to the markets that they wanted to reach. And then I was working in the social enterprise space and helping a lot of people set up businesses to create employment for themselves when they just couldn't get a job. So that kind of led to the start of Global Sisters as well. And also watching what happened at home when I was a teenager, when my parents split, I lived in a country town. And, you know, watching the process that my mum went through as suddenly a single mum with three kids from five to I think it was about 13, where there weren't any jobs available and, you know, seeing what that was like. They were all drivers to me starting Global Sisters. So the big picture for me is economic participation. It's creating a genuine third alternative for women when they can't access mainstream employment. They don't want to be on welfare. No one wants to be on welfare and really making it possible for them to create their own incomes and their own jobs that work around the circumstances that they find themselves in. So Global Sisters really is a one-stop shop. It helps women start businesses, but it's not a typical business program. We're starting to describe it more as a movement. It's certainly a community and it's full of programs and resources and tools that women can use when they need to and how they need to. I, I think what's really crucial about what we do is that it's super flexible and it's super accessible and it's been designed in a way that women can access what they need when they need it rather than, you know, a program that starts here, finishes here and then and then see you later. So we have women that we've been supporting for years now who, who have joined us. So we've supported over 5,000 women already in Australia. Our five-year goal is to positively impact 42,000 women in Australia and see 17,000 new micro-businesses get off the ground. But we're also starting to look at expanding globally and we've been approached a number of times already about taking our programs into Asia. So we're starting to look at that as well. So how do you fund your programs? Is this a fee-for-service from the women? No, no, not at all. So everything we do is completely free. So we provide support through business education, business coaching, microfinance and sales and marketing support. We do have an amazing marketplace, which was the very original concept, but it also has this comprehensive wraparound support. So we are a charity. Our income at the moment comes from a three-way split of corporate, government and philanthropic funding. So it helps us spread the risk and spread the love. But we also would really love to set up our own sustainable income stream and we're hoping that the marketplace will eventually get us to that point. So do the micro loans that you give participants, is that also funded through those three avenues? Yeah, so the micro loans we do are really small loans. Ours are really to fill a gap in the market in Australia of that under $5,000 amount. So it's really when women need something quite small just to get started, whether it's materials or it might be 
a piece of equipment and then we tap them into other larger micro loan funders that are around. The interest rates that we charge, the first loans, which are up to $2,000, the interest is free. And then the interest rate for the larger loans, which is still only up to four or $5,000, is really low and way below market rate, but it's still an interest rate to start them heading in that direction. The funding for those, we set up a microfinance fund early on, which was funded from corporate and philanthropic funding and the revolving loans, they get paid back and then they get lent out to someone else. Oh, that's fantastic. I love the model. And even in your roadmap of programs, it involves three stages to support over three years. So to educate, incubate and accelerate. How did you come to establish that methodology? It's been an evolution. There's no rocket science in business incubation or business acceleration. They're well proven models. But I think what we've done is really worked backwards. We started working with a group of women of refugee backgrounds initially at the very, very start. And then it was like opening a can of worms and we discover, oh, we need this. And then, oh, we need that. And we never wanted to reinvent the wheel. So we'd always look at what else was around, not just in Australia, but globally. And generally we just found what we needed wasn't there. So we had to keep creating these programs and refining them and eventually we got to a point where we could start moving forward and forward again and now we have a really solid group of programs to offer that have been really refined really tested across a broad base of women and they work for everyone mandy from the sounds of it and what i know of you you've got many successes with global sisters but what's your greatest success so far i don't think there's one there's a lot and they're all really different and also success for every woman we support looks differently as well it's like some women just want an extra 50 dollars a week and that's been something that we've learned along the way that you know success isn't what we determine it's what the women we're supporting determine and it's different for all of them to put on the table and some want to take over the world one of my favorite stories is joe from goanna heart so joe's an indigenous woman she's an amazing amazing person she's a chef and she's been supported through some great opportunities she became an amp tomorrow maker with our support she took part in our first ever annual sister pitch and got some wonderful support from that and the best thing that's come out of it which we're so excited about was a collaboration with t2 and they signed a partnership agreement or a wholesale agreement with her to stock her teas in their stores right around the country, which was worth nearly $100,000. You know, those sorts of things are just amazing and show the power of what we're able to do when we connect our sisters into our incredible corporate network. It just creates the most insane opportunities that they just wouldn't normally be able to access. Oh, I love that. So what's next for Global Sisters? We have an epic sister pitch happening with the 30 of our sisters pitching to top corporate CEOs and some celebrities around Australia. But after that, we're starting to look at testing our programs overseas. But we're also, we are national now. Our programs are all online. So we're also on the hunt for some more funding so we can really just expand our impact because we have a model that can go as big as we like. The only limitation are, are resources. Are there any supporters that are more likely to come on board than others, like corporates, for example? Look, we've always had amazing corporate support. We actually at the moment need a couple of big supporters to come on. The corporate support has really slowed down over the last two years, understandably with COVID. So we will be really looking for a couple of great new corporate partners in the next couple of years. We have a number of amazing corporate partners already who are engaged in the program. So we just need to translate some of that into money. We have a campaign in front of the government at the moment where we're asking them for $10 million over three years, and that will help us create 10,000 jobs. So we've 
the program now is so streamlined and so efficient that we can put someone through the program to the point of helping her to be selling and have created her own job for a thousand dollars so it's it's oh, highly fantastic. yeah it's extremely efficient so hopefully the government will come through with that and we can get bigger and bigger well creating ten thousand jobs would cost a whole lot more wouldn't it absolutely absolutely i mean if we can even get 600 women off welfare that's 10 million dollars saved in one year exactly so Exactly. So if our listeners want to get involved to support Global Sisters, how can they get involved? So there's a number of ways. We have an incredible engagement program, a coaching program where you can get involved coaching the women in different formats. We have a few different coaching programs and you can do that as a specialised expert coach or you can do that just as a cheerleader, which is a role that anyone can do as long as they're committed and passionate about helping the women so that you can join the coaching program a shop on our marketplace that's putting money straight in the pockets of the women that we support and you can find out a whole lot more just on our website which is globalsisters.org i was just going to say run us out for the end of the podcast on your website (laughs) just that awesome (laughs) mandy richards thanks so much for your time today we've really loved having you as our podcast guest oh thank you so much for having me Thanks for listening to Women on the Move, the Behind Closed Doors podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. To find out more about Behind Closed Doors, visit www.behindcloseddoors.com where you can find the full range of membership options. Women on the Move was recorded on Ghana lands and is a narrative network audio production.